Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. Mayor Lightfoot gave her highly anticipated budget speech today at City Hall. We've got great analysis from three experts in today's main podcast. Look for that in your feed. But if you missed the speech and you wanted to hear it, we thought we'd give it to you in its entirety. Here's Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Good morning, members of the City Council and residents of the City of Chicago. Just over five months ago, our city came together in a transformative moment to begin building a city that was more transparent, more equitable, and prosperous for every community and every resident. Embarking on a new day of good governance that made our city work for families and communities, particularly in neighborhoods that have historically been disinvested. We affirm that we, as Chicagoans, are each other's neighbors, and we resolve to be each other's business. That means together, we resolved to do the hard work of transforming our city to meet the challenges of today, but also to stretch toward the horizon and the promise of each new day. Fundamental to this resolve is leaving no one behind. The budget that I am proposing for 2020 makes good on that resolve. A budget must be more than just a list of numbers. It should be an expression of our shared values and a progressive blueprint for our shared future. The 2020 budget I propose is transparent, inclusive, and crafted with unprecedented input from every corner of our city. But to be clear, this budget also reflects the reality that sacrifices are needed in the work that lies ahead. In my State of the City address this past August, I gave you my word that while Chicago faces a historic budget deficit, we will not close that gap on the backs of our working families. The voices from neighborhoods, our children and adults in need, we cannot pass them by. No matter the fiscal constraints we face, we will never waver from using our city's resources to help those most in need. This budget represents a down payment on that mission and the first step in a long journey that we will be taking together as one city. We now turn this budget over to the City Council, which should be assessed and debated. And I invite members of the public, particularly our taxpayers, to continue weighing in, just as you have been, online, through emails, surveys, and through our budget town halls. A robust debate is what our democratic process is all about. I would like to give a special thanks to Budget Chairman Pat Dow, along with other aldermen who have given their input. And I want to thank this entire City Council for your partnership and collaboration over these last five months. Together, you represent voices across our city's 50 wards, each unique and different as their elected representatives. But those differences, whatever they may be, have not stopped you from rolling up your sleeves and joining with me and my administration on this journey to make meaningful and lasting change. 
Over these past five months, we have made significant financial reforms, such as outsourcing workers' compensation. We unanimously passed the most expansive Fair Workweek legislation in the nation, guaranteeing Chicago's workers the dignity and scheduling predictability that they deserve. And we did it the right way, by bringing everyone to the table at, at, to arrive at a sustainable solution. We also began the process of untangling our city's addiction to its regressive fines and fees, which traps countless Chicagoans in a cycle of debt and financial ruin, and as a result, keeps revenue off the table. Thanks again to our great clerk, Anna Valencia, for her leadership and partnership on these set of reforms. Now we have more work to do. Every single one of these measures grew out of our central mission to build a greater city, to leave it stronger, fairer, and more prosperous than we found it. A city where kids who look like me, come from families like mine, don't have to beat the odds to get a great education, a good paying job, raise a family, and pursue their dreams. As I outlined in my State of the City address, Chicago is staring down an $838 million budget gap, one of the largest gaps in our history. Getting that number down to zero required ingenuity, but more than that, it required hard choices across both expenditures and revenues. But this budget is more than a simple math problem. It's a value statement for what we prioritize and the kind of city that we want to be. The kind of city where strong, widespread, and dynamic middle class isn't shrinking, but actually growing again. Where every resident feels safe to walk in their neighborhood day or night. Where we all pay our fair share. Where a single parent can raise a family. Where entrepreneurs have access to resources to see their businesses thrive and the kind of city that no longer grapples with racial wealth and life expectancy gaps that fester and deprive individuals of their God-given potential. We want Chicago to be a city for men like Sadiqi Emanuel, who provides healthy food options to Southside communities through his ownership of Marjani Foods. Sadiqi knows his business but is the first to admit that he doesn't have the training to address some of the issues he encounters, not to mention the access to capital that would help his business grow. He knows his business would thrive with support in the form of skills training and neighborhood investment. And that's what this budget does, with investments in neighborhood development and small business training. We want Chicago to be a city for women like Hilda Frontenay, who has spent decades helping individuals in our Latinx community who are struggling with mental health and substance abuse issues actually get connected to vital services. This budget does that well with our investments in family services and an integrated holistic mental health system. Both Siddiqui and Hilda, um, we should give our thanks to and applaud them because we are going to be providing services for them. Now, over the past few months, my staff and I have heard the concerns of countless residents like Siddiqui and Hilda. We've hosted five 
budget town hall meetings in communities across our city to hear Chicagoans' ideas about how to make our budget work for them. This included a youth um, budget town hall planned by members of our youth commission, some of whom are with us today. While different communities may have focused on different issues, what we heard across every community was a desire to see their tax dollars spent more equitably on great schools, healthy neighborhoods, well-paying jobs, and access to city resources. But what we also heard every single place we went was that residents don't want to see their property taxes increased. And who can blame them? That's why, before I go any further, I'm here to tell you that we didn't solve our $838 million budget gap with a large property tax increase in 2020. And folks, that's good news. <clears throat> Instead, our gap was closed through a combination of savings and efficiencies totaling $538 million, along with a number of carefully chosen revenue sources of $352 million. Our process began on the foundation of good governance, and as we heard from town halls, driven by the principle that our residents have the right to see how their hard-earned tax dollars flow, are flowing back into their communities. Neighborhood investments, quality schools, safe streets, and much more. In crafting this budget, we also knew that our gap would only grow over the next several years, which meant we needed to cut wasteful spending and establish structural reforms now that will actually carry us into the future. And that's exactly what we did. I am proud to say that over 60% of our gap was closed by creating structural solutions. That means we not only created solutions that will help put our fiscal house in order this year, we created solutions to ensure that it stays in order for years to come. <clears throat> Our 2020 budget developed $150 million in savings uh, and efficiencies through an approach known as zero-based budgeting, which means that we build it from the ground up, ensuring every line was actually essential to the core service mission of every department. We also saved $200 million through debt refinancing. By improving how we collect the debt we are owed, this budget also saves an additional $25 million by moving to a new system that ensures payments are expedited and more companies are brought into compliance. This budget restructures some of our city departments, ensuring taxpayers get the greatest value for their dollars while still receiving the highest quality service. And as we announced earlier this month, this budget reforms our public safety agencies by streamlining the administrative functions of our police, fire, and OEMC departments into a single agency, the new Office of Public Safety Administration, which will immediately save the city $2 million. But these are more than just cost-saving measures. By consolidating these units, we will be putting more than 160 police officers and fire personnel back on the streets where they can do the most good. <clears throat> that means more police, police doing work in your neighborhoods and your wards. 
Likewise, we will be merging the Department of Innovation and Technology with the Department of Fleet and Facility Management to create a new department that manages assets and information, strengthening the operations of both departments by combining their shared efficiencies, eliminating redundancies, all while reducing costs by approximately $1 million this coming year. And yet, while day-to-day -day operations of our technology infrastructure will be moved into one department, our chief information officer and chief data officer will then be placed in the mayor's office to ensure technology policy is seamlessly incorporated with cutting-edge approaches um, on, in how government can work more efficiently and in greater partnership with Chicago's world-class tech community. <clears throat> In preparing our budget, we ask every department to take a hard look at their vacancies in order to find more efficient ways to streamline their workforce without significantly impacting services. And the result? Another $20 million in savings without layoffs. And this... And this budget makes key reforms to Chicago's tax increment finance program, or what many people refer to as TIF. This year's additional surplus to the city is $31.4 million. But more than that, my team is undertaking a detailed review to reform TIF and align it more closely with our economic development needs and our values, accountability, and transparency. The days of the TIF slush fund are over. And as I said before, we committed to examining every possible efficiency and cost-cutting measure before we turned to our taxpayers for revenue. But when we did reach that point, the choices we made were done carefully and equitably. We know the sacrifices that everyone has already made, but we want you to know that we are taking these actions now so we don't have to take them in the future. So let me be clear. This budget includes $352 million in new revenue. But just as with our efficiencies, these, these are new sources are rooted in progressive economic, financial, and social policy. They include reforming the Chicago's real estate transfer tax, which is a tax that applies to anyone buying or selling a home. These reforms that we recommend will bring an additional $50 million this coming year with an additional $100 million every year after that. This is exactly the kind of policy we want to be doing here, policy that is fiscally sound but also helps our communities grow. However, just as with our casino, we will need cooperation from Springfield in order to get this done. As everyone here knows, we have spoken at length to the governor and his team, legislative leaders and other lawmakers, business groups and other organizations about our need for Springfield to support a Chicago casino as well as to develop a statewide pension reform package. I am proud to report that with this budget, for the first time in our city's history, we will have climbed the ramp to pay for our police and fire pensions at the level outside experts say we should be paying for them to ensure their long-term financial stability.
And if we are able to work with Springfield to approve these two measures, Chicago will have all four of our pension funds reach that level and be on the path to structural balance by 2022. And that is good news. You're listening to live coverage of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's budget now, address on WBEZ HD Chicago, 91.5 FM, WBEQ HD Morris, 90.7 FM, WBEK Kankakee, 91.1 FM. When it comes to new sources of revenue, and we all know what those choices are, but I have full confidence that we will be able to work with our partners in the state capitol to keep that from happening, and I'm grateful for the members of the General Assembly who are here in the audience with us. Our 2020 budget includes $163 million in revenue from emergency services reimbursement. It also includes additional revenue that is part of our multi-front effort to address congestion from rideshare vehicles. Following our review of congestion data, we've determined an increase in our ground transportation tax on downtown rideshares on weekdays is warranted. This congestion tax would apply during the key hours between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. when the Central Business District faces its highest levels of gridlock. And if we are smart about this, making this small increase will not hurt our neighborhoods or impair accessibility for our disabled riders. And to be clear, I reject, and you should be deeply skeptical, of the false narrative rideshare companies are spreading. The multimillionaire owners of these companies have essentially had free reign in the city of Chicago. And if they cared so much about equity, as they say, they would cut their drivers in on a bigger share of the profits, improve their working conditions, and not pass the costs onto them. Our rideshare proposal will bring in an additional $40 million to our budget while also lowering vehicle emissions and encouraging the use of more efficient modes of transportation like public transit. And our reforms will improve the playing field for our taxi drivers. That is a worthy cause and a fight worth having. We are also addressing the budget gap by increasing rates on our downtown parking meters and adding meters in the West Loop, which will bring in another $7 million. We will be calling on our, our food and dining industry through a modest increase in our restaurant tax from a quarter of a percent to half a percent, putting Chicago on par with neighboring suburbs. Now, though the increase may seem small, it is expected to generate an additional $20 million in the upcoming year. And we will increase the library portion of the property tax by $18 million to fully invest in our libraries and allow them to be open Sunday, seven days a week. So Sunday hours are coming. And as you all know, Chicago will be opening a new revenue stream from the legalization of recreational cannabis. But cannabis is more than just dollars. I want to stand this emergence industry up so that residents can consume it safely and ancillary businesses can thrive. But more than that, 
I want to use this new industry to uplift the economic life of neighborhoods and residents across our city, particularly those in our black and brown communities that have borne the brunt of the war on drugs. Now, as hard as it was to find these efficiencies, make these cuts, and develop these new lines of revenue for working families, this is what was needed in order to close our budget gap and to do it with equity and integrity and without meaningfully raising property taxes. But as significant and challenging as those measures were, this budget still needed investments in our residents and our communities. And that begins with violence prevention. There's no greater calling for me as mayor and for us as a city than ensuring the safety of every home and every block in Chicago. Over these past five months, we've implemented a violence reduction strategy supported by biweekly regional coordination meetings and targeted collaborations across city agencies through public safety cabinet meetings. And while we have made progress, I will not be happy until we are the safest big city in America. And though we are not there yet, I am proud to report that we are moving in the right direction. From Memorial Day to Labor Day, murders fell by more than 20%. Meanwhile, shootings and murders are at their lowest level in four years. And robberies, burglaries, and vehicle thefts have sunk to a 20-year low. And that... And that is thanks to the leadership of Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson, as well as CPD's rank and file. Let's be clear, our first responders all deserve our respect and admiration for the hard work that they do every day. But for all of our success, that is why we are building on the lessons that we've learned and developing a comprehensive community-based strategy for the coming year. Now, let's face it, nobody walks down the street saying that they feel 20% safer. With an investment of additional $9 million, we will be expanding street outreach through the support of additional community-based workers. We know that works, and we need to support that work and expand it. We will be creating a new pilot program based upon cognitive behavioral therapy to provide intensive support for youth and adults who are at highest risk, along with case management and support services, both of which will be combined with educational and employment opportunities. We will be building, we will be building community capacity for trauma-informed responses to shootings. And we will continue to invest in our consent decree for the Chicago Police Department so our officers continue to receive the training they need. In addition to violence prevention, this budget also prioritizes homelessness, affordable housing, with new dollars to address the needs of Chicago's most vulnerable residents. 
<clears throat> First, we will increase funding for homelessness prevention by 36 percent, infusing $5 million into our flexible housing pools to support individuals who are frequent users of crisis systems, such as emergency rooms and shelters, and then connect them with supportive housing. <clears throat> Second, we will increase the number of affordable housing units for Chicago's lowest income renters by 19 percent by delivering an additional $5 million to the Low Income Housing Trust Fund. <clears throat> and let me say this to the developer community, whether for-profit or community-based, we need you to step up in partnership to help us meet this affordable housing crisis head on. This $10 million that we are investing, these investments are particularly focused on Chicago's young people experiencing homelessness, and alone, we believe, will reduce youth homelessness by 25%. Helping young people like Theo Hayes. Theo grew up on the south side of Chicago, the son of a single mother with eight siblings. Theo struggled after high school when he was unable to find full-time employment. And after multiple brushes with the law, his family put him out. Theo was homeless for some time until eventually his, he made his way to La Casa Norte. And thanks to their support, he has been connected to employment and multiple housing opportunities. Theo's story speaks to the unique needs of our homeless youth and the opportunities we've all needed to recover from our mistakes. Since making his way to La Casa Norte, Theo will be starting the training program at Blue Sky Bakery on November 1st. <clears throat> and finally, Chicago will be making long-needed, long-overdue investments in our mental health infrastructure. We will be fixing... <clears throat> We will be fixing our system by charting a new path to find new ways towards, uh, towards treating, identifying, and supporting our fellow Chicagoans struggling with mental illness. This is an issue, as you know, that impacts every Chicagoan. But far too many of Chicago's residents cannot get access to the treatment that they need. We have listened to patients, clinicians, and other mental health providers. What we heard was that patients just don't want access, that, that patients don't just want access to quality, affordable, personalized care. We also heard that they don't know where to find it, don't know how to pay for it, and worry about the stigma associated with it. That has to change. This budget supports our plan, which will see tens of thousands more residents serve through better access to care. And that care uh, that care is, with, is integrated to treat the whole person. Today's mental health system includes over 100 publicly funded clinics providing mental health services to underserved communities, along with dozens more nonprofit mental health organizations. Our plan will integrate care across this entire system to create a comprehensive mental health infrastructure for our entire city. And how are we going to do it? by making multi-million dollar investments in community organizations, 
creating a network of outpatient health care providers to ensure a better service to communities most impacted by violence. We will fund new community health care worker and crisis prevention teams, which will give particular focus to service gaps on our south and west sides. We will invest in our city's clinics to ensure that they are fully utilized. And we will improve accessibility to trauma-informed care, provide more comprehensive wraparound services, and we will make no more closures or cuts. Violence prevention, affordable housing, homelessness prevention, and mental health. Though these four areas may seem distinct, they're not. Each are connected and impact, inform, and reinforce the other. By investing in them as the ecosystem that they are, we are not only strengthening them, we are ensuring the challenges that come uh, with them don't put additional strain on resources elsewhere. Our policies are our politics, not the other way around. As we come forward, come forward in the coming year, we will be making a variety of additional investments to support our city's working families and help them thrive. Investments that drive economic development in our neighborhoods and ensure a real path to economic growth, which taps the potential that exists in our city um, for years to come. Earlier this week, I was proud to stand on the west side and announce our, one of our new initiatives, Invest Southwest. Marshalling investment from across our government, business and philanthropic sectors, and community groups into revitalizing the core commercial corridors in underinvested neighborhoods on our south and west sides. In total, through Invest Southwest, the city alone will channel more than $750 million over the next three years. And I want to. And I want to give particular praise to BMO Harris for their additional $10 million investment towards this initiative. Now, for the first time, all of these forces, business, philanthropy, folks on the ground, and stakeholders and communities will be working in concert, one with another, to build a Chicago that we all want to see and that we all know is possible. But this is only the beginning. We will be calling upon others to join this mission in our city where economic opportunity is fully accessible for all of our residents, where our south and west side neighborhoods are growing again, and where Chicago's population gets back to 3 million. This is an effort different than anything that has come before. We're, we're not doing a series of one-off, disconnected transactions for the community, but not with the community. We will also be investing a half million dollars to support Chicago's local businesses through our small business centers and increasing their reach into city's neighborhoods, particularly those that have historically been underserved, by providing easy access to licensing and other critical information. <clears throat> and another proposal about which I am particularly proud is fast-tracking the time it takes for new businesses to get approval for their signs, down from as much as eight months or longer to the day they get their business license. So their whole community knows on day one that they are open for business. 
I heard about the regulatory mess that businesses of all sizes face and merely getting signage. I want the business community to know that we heard you and we are fixing this problem today. I want to note a few other important investments um, that are in this budget. We will continue to fight back against hate and xenophobia and trumpet our city's great immigrant past, present, and future. We are a city of nations, and proudly so. To ensure that we continue to be a real welcoming city, we will, we will continue to invest in our legal protection fund. And we will continue to support our community navigators who embody the great values of our city. I stand with our immigrant and refugee community, communities because it is the only moral choice. We have community navigators who are out there every single day educating people about what their rights are, and we should be supporting them because they're doing the Lord's work in our immigrant and refugee communities. Now, our 2020 budget will also institute a path to a $15 minimum wage in Chicago that we will arrive at by 2021 because our working families can't wait till 2025 to earn enough to live on. <clears throat> And just as we did with the Fair Work Week legislation, we will roll out our $15 minimum wage the right way through ongoing work with the city council, business and labor, and community um, groups who have been at the table to create prosperity that not only um, leaves people strong, but alleviates poverty and will make us strong for years to come. We will be strengthening our fight against climate change this coming year by establishing an Office of the Environment. Rooted in the values of environmental justice, this new office will use our city's resources to ensure that our residents enjoy rights to clean air and clean water. And finally, <clears throat> this budget includes the new Utility Billing Relief Program which is an unprecedented equity-focused effort that will reduce the water utility rates for homeowners with incomes 150% below the federal poverty level. This will dramatically cut the size of water bills for every other Chicagoan by creating monthly rather than twice a year water bills. And we... <clears throat> and, and we will end water billing of accounts after the count has been shut off. We will, we will estimate, we estimate that about 20,000 households are immediately eligible to participate in this targeted relief. For them, this program will cut water utility bills, end the threat of water shutoffs, stop referral to collection agencies, and after one year of participation, will eliminate past due water bills. Just as we ended driver's license suspensions and created new pathways to avoid bankruptcy for city sticker debt, these reforms are yet another piece of the fines and fees agenda that we are pursuing. Ensuring the hardest hit families have a pathway to compliance based on their ability to pay. This will not only offer relief to families struggling 
uh, to choose between paying their water bill and other services. It will bring in revenue, which currently isn't happening because those residents simply don't have the ability to pay. We're doing this because it's good policy. But we're also doing this because it's the right thing to do. This budget was created to honor our responsibility as good stewards to our residents and taxpayers, as well as to make investments needed to support our whole city. I referred to this budget earlier as a value statement, but this budget is also a call to action. Since I became mayor, I have been overwhelmed by the level of hope and inspiration Chicagoans across our city have for transformative government. We routinely receive letters and inquiries from residents asking, how can I help? Now is the time for all of us to step forward and do our part to create a better Chicago that is truly a beacon of hope and opportunity for every resident, no matter their zip code. As I've said many times before, the challenges that we face were not created overnight, and they will not be solved overnight. But they will be solved, and we will solve them by working together. Friends, we need to remember that we are each other's neighbors. And before I finish, let me share a story that I think perfectly illustrates this point. A few weeks ago, I heard a story from a woman about an empty lot near 54th and South Prairie Avenue that for years had been covered in trash. She was riding the train one day, and something caused her to look down. And she saw something amazing. Someone had covered that lot with beautiful sunflowers. As a woman said, when she saw those flowers, she burst into tears. Because she, what she saw wasn't just a beautiful flower bed. What she saw was that someone cared. Someone loves me, she said. That someone happens to be here today. Gian Foreman. Will you please stand? As some of you know, Guion is the president and CEO of Emerald South. Uh, South uh, economic Development Collaborative, and it was Guion who caused those beautiful sunflowers to be planted. That simple act of kindness, neighbor to neighbor, transformed that lot and brought so much joy to so many people. Being each other's business is more than just a nice sentiment. It's a light that will guide our path forward to a just and equitable future. We are standing on the threshold of a historic moment in our city. Now, now is the time for us to join together around our common mission and common purpose. Our goals are bold because they have to be. We will put everything on the line and fight with everything that we have to make sure that every Chicagoan every Chicagoan, in every neighborhood, regardless of zip code, regardless of race, color, or creed, has the opportunity to thrive. Today and all days to come. I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for the work 
and passion and commitment to make this day possible. And I am humble every single day. Every single day that you've entrusted me with the stewardship of this great city we all call home. I can't wait for us to continue on this journey of transforming to everything in our city in the days and weeks ahead. Thank you so much. God bless you, and God bless the city of Chicago. That's Mayor Lori Lightfoot's complete budget speech. To help you understand it and break down some of the numbers the mayor threw out, we have analysis from three experts in today's main podcast. Look for it just above or below this podcast in your feed. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. This is Reset from WBEZ Chicago. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.